Skin may not be the sexiest topic we talk about on this podcast, but its importance in sexual health and sexual function cannot be underestimated. In today's episode, Hannah chats with Samra, a doctor and dermatology trainee, about common skin problems that affect the vulva and some basic principles for keeping your skin healthy. Now, because I'm a sexual health doctor, I get people coming to see me all the time saying things like, I've got this weird rash, or my skin is super itchy, or there's blisters on my genitals. But I guess what I wanted to highlight in this episode is that not all genital problems are strictly sexual health. So for that reason, I thought it would be helpful to chat to someone who knows a bit more about the non-STI causes of these kinds of symptoms. So welcome to the show, Samra. Thanks for having me. So for the listeners, Samara, you're a doctor and you're a trainee with the Australasian College of Dermatologists. Is that correct? Yes, that is correct. Mm -hmm. Can you just explain what a dermatologist is? Yep. So um, a dermatologist is a doctor who specializes in all things of the skin. Uh, So that is a whole range of things. So we do lots of skin checks, so the cancer side of things, which is what most people think of and do procedures like taking all those skin cancers out. Um, But we also do a lot of other things as well. So we deal with people who have any other kinds of skin conditions, lots of weird and wonderful things that are infectious, or we have blistering skin conditions, or there's lots of links with people with lupus and other kind of autoimmune conditions. And then we also do lots of little kids as well, because there are lots of like genetic conditions that involve the skin so it's a whole range of things that's kind of just the tip of the iceberg yeah i'm super broad hey so i thought we would start with some basic stuff um because i feel like a lot of the problems that come into the sexual health clinic are potentially avoidable almost and a lot of it just comes Mm. back to basic Mm. hygiene and how we wash the vulva and look after the vulva and that kind of stuff yeah so can you just tell us like how how should people be cleaning or looking after the skin around the genital area yeah yeah so I guess before we go into this I guess I've got to say that the vagina itself is a pretty amazing organ because it cleans itself naturally through vaginal discharge and kind of it really does take care of itself and really we don't need to be using anything down there except rinsing with water um so that's what I always start off with saying to people because a lot of the things that people put in that area actually irritates it and is one of the reasons why they're presenting in the first place with issues with the skin. That being said, some people still like to use a wash and I, like obviously that's totally reasonable um, because it is important to wash down there. So I recommend a fragrance-free, dermatologically approved wash. So either a soap or um, a soap-free wash, which you can usually get from the chemist um, and you, in Australia here and they're all pretty reasonably priced it's just important to make sure that there's no irritant component in it so like I said fragrance free and the brands that I am most comfortable suggesting are things like QV, Dermes, Cetaphil those are the kind of go-tos and then I say don't wash too much down there because just irritation with water can also be an issue as well so kind of once to twice a day and no more yeah yeah that's yeah. interesting right because yeah. even just washing with water too often can oh yeah yeah <laughs> make yeah. The skin really yeah and that's really common when people have an issue they they think that it's something to do with the way they've been dealing with it with hygiene so they like start yeah. washing more and that makes the situation worse and then they aggravate it yeah yeah mm. and i guess a lot of people moisturize as well and mm. other parts of their body mm. should people moisturize around the skin of the vulva yeah i that's an important question you don't really need to moisturize unless there's a problem there unless someone has said to you 
you know, you've gone to the doctor and you've said, oh, there's this issue. And they've said, oh, well, to help that, like you've got irritant contact dermatitis or, you know, that it's dry there. And then they recommend a moisturizer. But otherwise, no, you don't need to be using a moisturizer. Yeah. Mm. And when you go to a pharmacy, like a chemist or a supermarket mm. in Australia, there's literally so many different types of body wash and feminine hygiene washes. Mm. Mm. Should we be using any particular feminine wash? Yeah. In that area. Good question. <laughs> as far as my knowledge is concerned, no, we don't. Like it's, you know, often, I mean, I only see the bad end of it, but I see people who have had an irritation from those products yeah. and that causes an issue, but there's no, there's no medical, if you, if you don't have any issues, there's no indication to be using that yeah. at all. Yeah. yeah can often cause more problems than they saw. Exactly. Yeah. And interestingly, you know that Dr. Bronner guy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I Googled him the other day. <laughs> Was never a doctor, just so everyone knows. <laughs> you can also spend so much money on these skin products. Like You can. And I, I, this is something in dermatology in particular that I see a lot. And it's not just in vulval areas. You know, like people when they have really bad acne and they come in and they've spent like thousands of mm. dollars on all these different products. And they go to the supermarket each week and try a different product. And it, like, and then you know, there's mm. no improvement with them. So yeah, you've just got to Probably be careful. Probably just trying that. a different expensive yeah. irritant each time. Exactly. Exactly. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess important to some people is hair removal around mm. the vulval area. Mm. Is there a particular way of removing pubic hair that is less irritating to the skin? Mm. Everyone's different with their preferences and what's easy and the cost and all that kind of stuff. So I don't want to rag on anything too much. I mean, obviously there's shaving and that shaving can cause like irritation and ingrown hairs and uh, waxing can also irritate. And also there's also a risk of like burning your skin, but a lot of people like that. And then there's also the laser hair removal that's come in and that is less irritating for the skin, but I mean, it can be painful when you get it done and it doesn't always work. Um, So I think there's pros and cons with each. Um, If you are looking particularly at not wanting to irritate the skin, then the laser would probably be more preferable. But that being said, I wouldn't do a blanket recommendation of doing that everyone's pretty individual yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. and I guess it probably is obvious but if you have a bad reaction to one thing maybe that's not ideal for you specifically so if waxing every time gives you a horrendous rash yeah don't that's probably not for you yeah yeah Yeah. so itching is Mm. a really common symptom people come to our clinic all like every day we have mm. someone presenting with vulval itch or vaginal itch mm. and, you know, gynecologists deal with this, GPs, dermatologists and sexual health doctors. Mm. What are some of the kind of common causes of itch? Mm. Yeah, so there's there's quite a few things that can cause an itch and that can be, I mean, I try to put them into a different category. I guess we should go back and say what exactly is an itch probably. So that's uh, that's an uncomfortable sensation that causes a desire to scratch. And it, the causes of an itch that is so multifactorial, there's so many things involved. I mean, some people listening to the podcast right now will start to notice that they're scratching their skin because even <laughs> talking or thinking about itch makes you itchy, mm. right? So like the head lice thing. When yeah, lice. yeah, or scabies. I don't yeah. know, do you get much scabies in your clinic? Yeah, yeah. I always start to itch when I've got someone with scabies. Yeah, so there's lots of things that can cause an itch. And I think that's really important to remember when you're dealing with someone who's got an itch in the vulval area. And it's really important to kind of figure out whether it's just to that area or it's 
all over the body because those will give you two very different answers. And also if it's come up quickly or it's been an ongoing, you know, months to years kind of situation. But so I've got, I like to kind of put them in different groups. So obviously Mm -hmm. the, one of the first causes is an infectious cause. So that can be like a fungal. So candida, which Mm -hmm. is really common people who have diabetes or have been on antibiotics or have used steroids in the area often get that. Commonly called thrush. Called thrush. Yeah. Sorry. My apologies. (laughs) I was doing too much medical lingo. Um, And then you can also get bacterial infections and viral infections. And you've mentioned STIs at the beginning. So like herpes Um, and then parasites. So lice, like we were Mm. talking about in scabies as well and then you can have a group of conditions that we call the dermatosis so the inflammation of the skin so that can be just what we call vulva dermatitis um, but there can also be things like lichen sclerosis lichen planus and psoriasis and we'll talk a bit more about that later in the podcast I think and then another group which I should mention but is very rare is it's a cancer down there cancers can also cause an itch and you always need to be cautious of that but yeah not not common but definitely a consideration um and then there can be other things like you know an estrogen deficiency so estrogen is really important to maintain the tissue of the area and without it can become a bit atrophied and um it can itch um and so sometimes you see it in women who are going through menopause or postpartum after they've had a baby or they're breastfeeding or sometimes medications can cause it as well and and sometimes it's it's nothing. There's no actual cause that you can identify that's causing the itch. So maybe you've temporarily had dry skin in the area or maybe you were stressed or you were heating or sweating because the skin in that area is particularly sensitive. Um, and so that can just happen. It can go away on its own. And then I mentioned that if it is all over the body as opposed to just in that area, then there can be lots of things that can cause it, um, which I won't go into too much. Um, yeah. But if it's an itch all over that has been lasting a while, then you should probably go and see a doctor about that as well yeah multiple things that can it's good that. I guess for people to think about that too because I feel like any genital symptom often quickly prompts people to seek medical yeah. advice whereas yeah. maybe issues in other areas of the body, body people don't quite yeah find quite right. so urgent and just on that you mentioned about um sweat mm. being a potential trigger for mm. an itch that we can't find a really clear cause for necessarily mm. what ways can people kind of manage sweat in the area yeah that's quite um that's quite tricky i guess it's just kind of general skin care so not wearing things that are too tight mm-hmm. um and kind of wearing loose clothing cotton underwear um and kind of regularly kind of patting down the area um yep. as opposed to rubbing the area and then you know trying to avoid sweating induced situations but sweat's a very difficult thing to control if mm-hmm. someone had I mean, we also deal with people who have excessive sweating, which is an, kind of another separate issue. And if that's the case, and we have lots of other treatment options for that as well. Yeah, okay. Mm. I, I'm always like, for people who have a recurrent thrush and things like that, I'm always like, you need to stop wearing active wear pants all the time, even when you're <laughs> yeah. not active. And here I am in my, in your active, wear, in my active wear and I'm not exercising. So I do not practice what I preach. <laughs> Um, so you mentioned dermatitis mm-hmm. and it's quite a broad term can, mm. and like you've mentioned, it doesn't just affect the vulva. Mm. Can you just explain a bit more about what dermatitis is? Yeah. So itis means an inflammation of, and so dermatitis essentially means an inflammation of the skin. It's a very broad category and there can be lots of things that cause it. Um, but essentially one of the main character characteristics of vulva dermatitis is there's this ongoing itch in the skin and when this persists, there's kind of this itch scratch cycle, which 
gets rewarded and continues. Um, and you can actually, I mean, if you were to look at the skin under the microscope, there will be changes in the skin. But it's there's lots of different things that can cause vulvar dermatitis. I don't really feel like I've explained that very well. I think you have. Okay. <laughs> I mean, it makes sense to me. But <laughs> Okay. It's essentially an inflammation of the skin. Okay. Lots of things can and cause it. And lots of different causes. Yeah. I guess the most common one that everyone knows about is eczema. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that that's a type of dermatitis, essentially. Yep. Yeah. And you mentioned this kind of itch scratch cycle. Mm. So it's like you feel the itch. So you scratch and your brain is like, oh my goodness, that yeah, gives me so much relief. Good, yeah. So the itch yeah. comes like it. It's this reward pathway. Yeah. yeah it's yeah, like almost it's taking ongoing. a drug. Yeah. It feels good. So yeah. you keep doing it. Yeah, that's right. And so hard to break it as well. Yeah. Really hard. And mm. you can get like the severe end of that kind of itch scratch thing. Mm. You can get like an. Yeah. Um, simplex chronicus. chronicus yeah 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 so that's essentially what happens is someone's just scratching so much that the skin kind of changes and becomes thickened and we call it lichen simplex chronicus and really what that means is that you've been itching sorry you've been scratching for so long that the skin has kind of changed and that pathway has been established mm. Mm. and you've kind of got to try and like go cold turkey yeah it's also yeah drug metaphors here yeah. like, <laughs> just gotta quit it yeah but yeah. it's really hard for some people and it can be really quite um debilitating oh, it's really like, debilitating yeah and because it's it's such an uncomfortable area and it's a very sensitive area and then it you know it has impacts on people's like sex lives mm. and you know going to the bathroom and sleep and yeah, yeah. it can be pretty terrible mm. and i've had some patients say just like during the night like mm. they feel like nothing can be touching their vulva like they yeah. can't wear pajamas or underwear and they like even having a sheet on can be really irritating yeah. so there's really severe yeah. kind of ends of the spectrum with yeah. it how is dermatitis treated around the vulval area? Yeah, so it it really depends on what the cause is. Sorry, I didn't I didn't go into too much about the causes. So the main one I said was eczema, which comes from inside the body, but there can be things outside the body that kind of precipitate the eczema. And then there's also what we call exogenous causes. So that's the contact dermatitis. So you can have two types types of contact dermatitis. So you can have irritant, which means that the the thing that you're using on the area or the thing that has come into contact with the area causes an irritation in the skin which directly causes an inflammation um, and then you can have allergic contact dermatitis so that's where the thing that came in contact with the skin actually stimulates the immune system in the body to start having a reaction there that doesn't actually happen straight away it can happen you know about 12 to 72 hours after coming into contact and so people sometimes don't marry those two up and they don't realize that this product is causing this issue because mm. they say oh no i used it two days ago and the rash came on today yeah. um so those are two things to think about and you know some examples of things that are irritating that cause the irritant kind are like soaps bubble baths shampoos sanitary items certain types of underwear sweat urine feces hygiene products um and fragrances, whereas the allergic contact dermatitis is like fragrances, preservatives, medications that people mm. have been using on the area. So like steroids or antibiotics or antifungals and rubber and nickel. And so there's lots and lots and lots of different mm. things that can cause it. And there's much more to both of those lists. Yeah. So I guess when treating it, you need to figure out what's actually causing the dermatitis. Um, so firstly, you can do you do, I, I mean, I always get people to do skincare measures. Um, so like I said, avoid the tight clothes and the underwear and avoid all so scented soaps and cleansers and irritating products. So kind of a fragrance-free, pH-neutral soap. Um, and then I say, you know, you only wash once or twice a day and pat the area dry as opposed to rubbing. Um, and then I usually go through everyone's products, everything they're using <laughs> and <laughs> remove everything irritating, which is always upsetting to people because they've spent all this money on all these different things. And I'm like, no, no. 
no, yeah. no. And then if if I think it's, you know, from eczema as opposed to a product they're using, then I'll we might put them on a topical steroid to calm the area down. Um, and then if I think it's from a product, then we go on and we actually do patch testing or if we think it's an allergy. So that you, you need to see a dermatologist for patch testing. Um, and that happens over a week and they put all kinds of products on your back and then see if you're reacting to them so that we can kind of identify it. And then I guess going back to the itch. Um, so you use the steroids, which will help with the itch. But sometimes people, because they're not sleeping at night, sometimes need something else. Um, to help them get to sleep and stop them from itching actually mm. um, and that's just a short-term thing but every, I mean everyone's different so dermatitis is treated slightly differently with everyone yeah, yeah. Mm. I heard a dermatologist speak at a Volvo conference recently and mm. it's funny you say you go through literally everything someone uses because she she was saying after the initial appointment she gets them to actually bring them mm bring every single product in the bathroom with you yeah and she's like no you can't use this yeah. this is why and like goes through and people often haven't even looked at the ingredients no. or what it's for and all no. that kind of stuff no. so yeah it's yeah. um a worthwhile thing to do i guess just look at actually what's in your shower yeah. what are you putting yeah in that's right because often area. you don't and you know we do that with the patch testing we get them to bring in absolutely everything that they come into contact with and like it's amazing how much people you know don't realize how much they're coming into contact mm. with yeah yeah maybe i should do that just out of interest <laughs> <laughs> any other comments on dermatitis anything people should no, know no i think no. i think we pretty much covered it i mean if it's an issue for you you need to you need to see your, your doctor and it's common yeah so gps gps know how to manage it yeah yeah and if they don't then they'll they know who to send you to yeah mm. don't suffer in silence yeah so you mentioned before lichen sclerosis mm. when you were talking about all the different things that can cause itch. Mm. Can you just tell us what lichen sclerosis is? Yeah. So lichen sclerosis is a chronic skin condition. It, the cause is not fully understood. So it mostly occurs in the vulval and the anal area, but in about 15% of cases, it also occurs elsewhere on the body. So sclerosis comes from the word sclerotic, so kind of a thickened. So the skin essentially looks white and becomes thickened. So it's, it's, it's got an association with autoimmune conditions. Mm-hmm. Mm. And what are the typical symptoms people experience? Mm. So itch and pain are common air things to experience in the vulval area, but sometimes it's not sim- there's no symptoms at mm. all. Um, so it depends whereabouts the lichen sclerosis is. So if it's in the anal area, then people can have kind of anal discomfort. They can have pain on defecation or like an itchy bottom, um, or they can have like rectal bleeding. If it's more in the vaginal area, people can develop pain during sex. Um, or, you know, if it's in uh, with the urethra, it's kind of pain on urination. So th- those are more when it's really advanced and quite mm. sclerotic. What it looks like is that these white hardened areas in the vulva and around the anus, and we actually call it it the figure eight presentation because it looks like the number eight around those areas. And then as it progresses, you actually have a loss of architecture. So you kind of lose the clitoral hood and also Mm -hmm. like the labia minora and majora and things kind of change. And as the disease progresses, the whole vulva becomes quite featureless. And then you can also get these white areas on other like area elsewhere on the body so kind of like the thighs and the breasts and the wrists and shoulders and trunk and a few other places Mm. and those aren't usually usually or painful but people notice those and sometimes that's the only thing they notice um because people don't really look at their vulva yeah Mm. yeah Mm. unless there's like a reason to if there's no actual pain to prompt you why would you look yeah Yeah. Yeah. so who is actually at risk of 
um, mm. lichen sclerosis. Yeah. Um, so it's associated with other autoimmune conditions, particularly thyroid issues, diabetes and vitiligo. And there's a few others as well. Um, But hormones are also believed to play a factor. So it's more commonly seen in girls before they go through puberty and then after menopause. So it's those age groups that we usually see. And then there is a report of, you know, aggregation in family. So if you're more common, more likely to have it, if you've got a family member who has it. Mm -hmm. Mm. And can it happen in men or just women? It can happen in men. Yeah, it can. Yeah. Obviously slightly different symptoms because they don't have the same anatomy but yeah yeah and is it treatable or curable yeah not curable at the moment um, but it's certainly manageable and you can prevent it from progressing which is important so it's really important to find it before it progresses and that's why you know I, I have quite a few young girls you know like 10 years old who have it and the parents are always like you know really upset about it. I'm like no this is fantastic that you've brought her here because mm-hmm. we can we can manage this and prevent it from getting any worse um so yeah diagnosis is certainly key to prevent its progression um so we usually use steroid creams to kind of keep the area at bay and kind of settle down all that inflammation and then you can move on to once once it's settled and it varies with every person and how it's directed by the dermatologist or whoever's managing it um once it's settled you then can use steroid sparing agents which are other like anti-inflammatory creams if it's really severe sometimes people need tablets or actually light treatment can help as well um yeah 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 um (laughs) phototherapy can help yeah i mean it's a bit of a tricky area we usually use it for the um is that like perineal sunning (laughs) (laughs) that internet sensation that is it's not that (laughs) it's different no it's not that do you as a dermatologist condone perineal sunning (laughs) yes (laughs) i actually don't know anything about perineal sunning it looks ridiculous (laughs) have you seen them with their like they're in like um happy baby pose Oh, like naked from the waist down with their like perineum oh. facing the sun. How it's long like, for did they do that? I don't know. Oh. I don't know enough yeah. about it. Okay. But anyway, mm. that was a joke. Samra's not saying that you need to do perineal <laughs> Don't sunny. do that. No, it's something called phototherapy, which dermatologists put in place. It's a, it's a safe version of light treatment. Um, <laughs> please don't. I need to look that up before I comment any yeah, further about like perineal sunning. I feel like you're going to come across a few of those in your line of yeah, work eventually. Yeah, I do. I do. Um, and then I guess the other thing is if there has been kind of scarring or adhesions and it's kind of down it's kind of progressed a little bit. You can actually have some surgical intervention, but I won't right. comment on that because we don't do that as dermatologists, but we send you on to get it done. And then the other important thing to say is that you're at a theoretical increased risk of a cancer there. Mm. Um, so you need to be continually monitored. And I say to patients, even if the skin's kind of totally fine now, we still need to keep an eye on you because of that risk. Yeah. So we've talked, it gets a bit confusing because Mm. obviously we've mentioned lichen simplex chronicus Mm. and lichen sclerosis. Mm. And now we're going to talk about lichen planus. planus. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry about that. Yeah. A bit confusing. (laughs) Welcome to dermatology. Yeah. Um, And lichen planus, it's pretty uncommon. It is. Um, Can you just kind of, yeah, again, explain what it is? Yeah. Yeah. So like you said, it's an uncommon inflammatory skin condition and it actually has a lot of different subtypes. So we see it all over the place on the body. It can be just in the mouth. It can be like on the skin, they can get nail involvement um, and then you can get it in the vulva and sometimes you can only have it in the vulva. So in the vulva, I guess what the symptoms are that it can be itchy or painful or burning um, and then similar symptoms to lichen 
sclerosis, you know, painful sex, painful defecation. Um, they can also get an irritating vaginal discharge and the symptoms can come and go or it can persist. So what it actually looks like, uh, it's difficult to describe around the vulva, mm. but if it's anywhere else, not in the vulva, it's usually these kind of itchy purple flat topped spots. Um, and when you look at them closely, they have these like irregular fine white streaks. And sometimes these can all join together and form what we call a plaque as a plaque um, and actually skin trauma can form these lesions so if you've had like a scratch to the area that's when where it can arise in the vulva there's a few different subtypes and I won't go into them too much but essentially you kind of have kind of white lesions as well in the area that have those symptoms that I described um, and then it's quite common for them to also have oral involvement as well so that's mm. where they have these like white streaky lesions in the mouth Mm. And so with um, lichen sclerosis, you were saying that it's often people with other autoimmune mm. conditions that are at risk and mm. girls pre-puberty or post-menopause. Yeah. Is it similar for lichen planus mm. or is it different? Yeah, so it's a bit different. So we most commonly see it for the vulva in women in their 50s to 60s. And it's actually so – so we think what it is is an abnormal immune reaction because it's uncommon. We still don't know – everything about it but mm. that will change um so there are some vi- infections that it's particularly associated with so lichen planus is more common in people who have hepatitis c but however most people who have lichen planus don't have hepatitis c but just saying that, mm. yeah um and then there are other associated viruses and bacteria as well and then there's also contact allergens so there's actually it's really interesting people who get amalgam teeth fillings <gasps> what puts them at risk yeah really? and then um metals such as gold or copper yeah so it's been associated with some contact That's allergens so which is bizarre and then there's also medications that can cause a reaction that looks just like lichen planus and so there's certain medications that that you need to be careful of and it yeah. usually takes months to years for that medication to cause the lichen planus. Right. Mm. Yeah. Very interesting. Yeah. And is lichen planus treatable, curable? Same answer as lichen sclerosis, really. Mm. So it's the steroids and if it, there's a drug, stop it um, and just monitoring it, really. Yeah. Um, but there's also lots of other things if you're not responsive to the topical steroids. Yeah. yeah. Mm. So I guess we're chatting about these different skin conditions not because they're super common and no, every other person no. has them but mm. just because I guess even though they're rare they are potentially significant yeah, and might right. have long-term consequences yeah, so right. it's just good to be kind it of is. aware of yeah. other things that can cause these symptoms yeah now another symptom that people often come to the doctor about are blisters mm. or I guess ulcers sometimes too. What other kind of non-sexual health things can cause blisters? Yeah, good question. So other things are other infections that aren't necessarily sexually transmitted. So like the chickenpox um, or like Epstein-Barr virus or a few other things or like bullosin pitago. It can be from a drug. Um, so that can be either a drug reaction that kind of causes blistering all over the body or sometimes it can just be in the one area and we call that fixed drug eruption. And I guess an important thing to note with that is that is one of the medications associated with that is an anti-inflammatory medication. So what happens is the person gets like this blister that comes and goes in that exact same spot. And we have usually like like um, this is just me anecdotally I should look this up <laughs> but I've had a lot of young girls come in and they say oh I get this blister and it comes about once a month and I'm like oh is it associated with your period and they're like yeah I think it's my period I'm like oh do you take neurofin or an anti-inflammatory when you have your period and they say yes and it's because they're taking that at that time and mm. then the, com- the reaction comes and then it goes once periods pain has gone away yeah interesting yeah so in those situations 
if the anti-inflammatory is like really helping Mm. period Mm. symptoms and the blister it's not something they're going to pass on or whatever do you just say choose your own adventure like if you want to stop taking it to avoid the blister do that yeah i i generally say that to people i mean i have not seen someone have the fixed drug eruption in the vulval area but i know that Mm. that can happen i mean you just want to make sure that it's definitely not anything else like a sexually transmitted infection yeah Um, certainly wouldn't be the first thing that you think of would it like no my vulval blister is probably from neurofen (laughs) no exactly (laughs) so obscure (laughs) yeah um and then what oh so then you've got other autoimmune conditions so you can get it from like I mean, these are all medical words now, so I'm sorry, listeners. <laughs> Pemphigus vulgaris, mucous membrane, pemphigoid, bullous pemphigoid. So they <laughs> plastic pemphigus. So these are all these are all conditions that cause blistering in the skin. And usually, I mean, it can be lo- localized, mm. um, but usually they have it elsewhere in the body. Yeah, mm. and again, can be very like debilitating. And, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I find you know with a lot of dermatological issues mm. whether or not it's involving the genital area like I can totally understand why a lot of them have an impact on mental health as oh, well absolutely. and just like your general well-being yeah it's like it's such a big it impacts yeah I mean your skin I mean it's you right like yeah. it's how you look and then the pain and itch associated with it it mm. can be really terrible that but that being said I think now is like quite an exciting time in dermatology because we're coming across we're learning a lot more about everything and we're coming across amazing new treatments for everything mm. yeah now the next tongue twister oh yeah <laughs> hydradenitis suppurativa well done Hannah. <laughs> thank you <laughs> just call me a dermatologist um yeah, what is this? <laughs> yeah, so I should apologise. I made Hannah put this question in here because I thought it was really important to talk about. <laughs> I'm glad. I'll learn. So, eight, so we'll call it HS mm-hmm. um, because it's just easier for everyone. Um, so it's an inflammatory skin disease, skin disease that is very underrecognised. So it's not, it's not common. It is not common, but um, it, the average time from onset to diagnosis is 11 years. So people have it for a very long time before they know. And it's because it is an extremely rare condition and there's just probably not enough awareness about it. But what happens is people develop these, and it's not just women, it's men as well, um, these kind of boil-like nodules and abscesses that scar and get sinus tracts in in the armpits, so both sides, armpits, under the breasts and in the groin. Sometimes they can have it just in the armpits and nowhere else or sometimes they just be in the groin and nowhere else, but it's it's bilateral, it's on both sides. Um, and so it can be – it's so debilitating. I mean, mm. these poor – poor people they've they've had it for such a long time um and it really depends on the severity as well i'm not saying poor people for everyone who has it some people only have it very mildly and it's fine um but it can be quite debilitating on Mm. um, the people's sex lives um and social you know some people will never never wear a swimsuit or anything like that Mm. because of it and get extremely um self-conscious not everyone but some um and so it is associated as we're learning a lot more about it at the moment um and so it's associated with like obesity and insulin resistant and that mm. kind of metabolic syndrome sort yeah, of, yeah which i guess in and of itself is getting more common yeah so. that's right that's right um and then also it's associated with inflammatory bowel disease and smoking mm. um so we usually see it in females in their 20s to 40s um but it's you know there's always outliers and you can see it in men as i said so 
there's also other associated skin conditions like acne, um, pilonidal sinuses, which are kind of in the bottom area. Um, and then obviously there's lots of mental health issues associated mm-hmm. with as well. So depression and anxiety. Yeah. Um, so I just thought it would be important to just raise this and flag it for the very few women who might have it who are listening so that they mm. can consider that as an option. Because often what happens is they go and see their GPs and or, or, you know, anyone who says this looks like an infection because it does. It does. Mm. When you look at it, and for the first thought would be like, oh, that's an infection, but it's not. It's yeah. an inflammatory skin condition. Mm. Mm. So presumably yeah. if it's thought to be an infection, they put on antibiotics, that's not going to help at all. So, uh, or does it help? Well, I mean, it depends. Certain antibiotics that have an anti-inflammatory component mm. help, um, but not like, no, some, yeah, the, you need other things like weight loss and the pill and sometimes they need steroids. Um, but we've got some new medications coming out, which hopefully will help and improve things. Very mm. exciting. Yeah. I guess common skin stuff like acne and psoriasis, mm. can mm. you get that on your vulva as well? You can get psoriasis, certainly. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that's a common cause of an itch. Yep. Yeah. And then acne. So Acne, I mean, <laughs> HS sort of looks like acne yeah. and they can get blackheads. Actually, yeah. I saw on Dermnet NZ. Is, yes, that a, is that a good website? <laughs> <That's> my Bible. <laughs> um, I saw they call HS um, sometimes acne inversa. Yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is yeah. that just because it because looks, it looks like, like inverted acne? acne. Yeah. yeah. And they get blackheads. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Interesting. Yeah. So, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Well, thank you for that. You are a wealth of knowledge. I appreciate your time. You're welcome. Thanks for I guess just to quickly summarize, there's obviously lots of different conditions that can affect the genital skin and we've only scratched the surface today. Excuse my pun. Um, (laughs) If you notice any new genital symptoms, of course, it's always good to consider whether or not a sexually transmitted infection may be contributing because they're common and often easily treatable. However, if you have a normal sexual health screen, that doesn't mean your symptoms aren't real or that there's no other explanation for it. So Mm. don't suffer in silence. If you find that you're not finding the answers you need, please find your GP and maybe be seen also by a dermatologist if they think that is relevant. Do you know of any resources that are good for people living with any of these conditions oh i think you already said it (laughs) so is that good for like non-medical people as well yeah i think it's written in pretty pretty reasonable language i often print out dermnet so you just google dermnet mz and then put in the condition you want um but i find it it's pretty straightforward and i give it to my patients they all seem to find it reasonable that's my that's my favorite what is like new zealand particularly prominent in the sphere of dermatology why do they have this amazing Mm. resource that other bigger more populous countries don't have i actually don't know i know um amanda oakley who started it she's the founder and it's just always kept up to date and you know dermatologists or registrars doctors who are interested in dermatology write the articles yeah right it's it's relatively up to date and it's kind of the go-to it's just got nice summaries of everything yeah and reliable ones (laughs) that's right reliable reliable evidence-based cool so if anyone has any uh questions or comments about anything we've chatted about today please feel free to join our facebook group and we also have an instagram page thanks so much samra no worries thanks Bye. bye
You to you, you to me, you to us is a podcast for general discussion only. Nothing we talk about should be taken as personal medical advice, and it does not substitute information or instructions given to you by your own doctor. If the podcast raises any questions or concerns for you, please see your GP, sexual health, or family planning clinic. For general discussion, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook. And please, stop trusting strangers on the internet with your health. This podcast is a production of Simo Interactive, home of the My Millennial Money podcast. Thank you.